not receive a Red Ryder BB gun. I did not shoot my eye out, which is good. But I did have an experience where I, uh, there was a, my dad was in the room, door knock, and Santa Claus was outside, dressed up. And uh, I, uh, I had this moment when I kept looking at dad and then the guy at the door, looking at dad, you know, how are they both in the same room? And then this guy came in and brought out this wooden ornament that I was just convinced that uh, elves were involved. That's all I can say. So uh, it was a meaningful gift. But uh, I want you to think about the gift of love. And this morning, as we prepare our hearts for God's understanding of us, his gift for us, the recognition that that love is so important to our Christian life, I want to remind you of something that is really significant. And that is, do do you guys use this phrase? I use this phrase often. That is going to be a total waste of time. Uh, and uh, we had this experience a couple of weeks ago. I was at a leadership conference in Omaha. And um, because that's the only reason why you'd go to Omaha is to go to a leadership conference. And I, I rented a car when I was there because the transfers weren't a part of the, the conference. And, and so it went through a couple day conference, brought, brought the car back. And you guys know the day that we live it, you know, there's signs everywhere because of, you know, a lack of employees, just leave your keys in the car and, um, you know, drop the paperwork off in this box and, uh, and then whatever, you know, so we'll send you the receipt. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So, so I just happened to take a picture of the odometer as I uh, dropped off the car, went on, got on a plane, flew to Chicago and back to Cleveland. So um, pretty, pretty common experience. Well, well, two days later, it was a prepaid car rental. And uh, two days later, I received a notification that my credit card had been charged for $500 uh, because they couldn't find my car. And the first thought that really went through my mind was it wasn't even that great of a car. Let's just be honest, you know. And then the second thought that went through my mind is this is going to be a huge waste of time. Right? Like, this is what I think. So, it, and it was. You know, I spent, spent days talking to people all over the world about my, my returning car. Thankfully, I had a photo of the car. So, I had the right place. So, I sent in the pictures, and they were too big, and then they were too small. And then the next day, it was, it was just this, this saga, right? Of getting, getting this car to be. And then finally, I received the email Congratulations, Mr. Brennan. We've found your, you know, all this paper. When we'll return the, the money in four to eight weeks or something like that, right? You know, like you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So, so this process was a total waste of time. And, and we use that phrase often in reference, like there's a lot of those these days, right? But can we be honest with ourselves this morning that there's some waste of times that we choose ourselves? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the, the binge watching thing is a thing, right? So you sit down and you're, you know, it's like eight o'clock. And you're like, I'll watch an episode and it turns into a season, right? And then after you go through that journey, you're like, well, the right thing to do is to just watch another season, right? So to, to somebody beside you, will you tell them one of your guilty pleasures that counts as a total waste of time? Like Angry Birds, I know who you are, right? So tell, tell, tell somebody beside you one of your, one of your waste of times. This is confession time. It's church. This is appropriate. All right. So uh, come on, let's go. I'm listening. Somebody in the first service said the Browns. That's what they said. That's terrible. All right. So, all right. I'm listening. You got a few of these. So I, I want you, as you're sharing this, to understand something as we turn our hearts to God's word. In 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter that we're going to be studying together, this is, this is really important, brothers and sisters. Let me encourage you in this that the Apostle Paul is going to say to us 
that even this thing that we do, where we come together and we meet together and we do church together and we sing together, all, all the stuff that happens in a church setting, it is possible if we don't do it in the right way, that it's a complete and utter waste of time. I'm serious. I'm serious about that. That that there is, we're going to see this in the text today, that the Apostle Paul is going to challenge us. In fact, he's going to challenge us in a way that's really convinced. Some of you are like, is it really in there? Well, well, what we're going to see is he's actually going to talk about worship. He's going to talk about some of the things that we think of when we think of church and worship and those things. And some of it, as we've been talking about spiritual gifts in general, that there's going to be some things that come to the surface. Like, like, like we all want to see God at work in miraculous ways. We all want to hear his voice. And in fact, there's going to be a statement that he says about really striving to understand the truth of God's word. If you don't have a really important four-letter word, L-O-V-E, if you do not have love, I can spell, I'm proud of myself, uh, that if you don't have love, it's a complete waste of time. And then he's going to talk about the miraculous things that God can do, seeing God's mighty hand at work. And he's going to describe these statements of God doing mighty things. And at the end of the day, if you don't have love, it's a waste of time. And then he's going to go on and he's going to say, well, when we think of people who have sacrificed a lot for God's kingdom, he's, he's going to talk about people religiously who sell everything that they have, give it to the poor. And Paul's going to say, even that without love, waste of time. And then he goes to the ultimate, give your life up, sacrifice yourself for the sake of the gospel. And at the end of the day, if you don't have love, it's a total waste of time. Do you think he's trying to get a point across to us? He wants us to understand that at the end of the day, this is going to be great. We're going to get to see it. That God's definition of love, first of all, is that you've received it lavishly. Don't misunderstand this today. You don't lack anything, brothers and sisters. If you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, we're going to talk about that kind of love that you and I have received. And it's, it's filled with wonderful words like patience and kindness. Like we're going to recognize that this, like this, this love that God has for us, it's defined really clearly in scripture. And as it's described, there's a part of me that just says, that's incredible. That's what I want. I want to receive that. This is a gift to us. And he's going to, oh, by the way, it is your responsibility and your privilege to be someone who, as a Christ follower, shares that love with other people. Remember, as we've spent the last two weeks talking about the gifts that God gives us, it is not about the gift receiver, nor is it about the gifts. In fact, he's going to mention today that the, at some time in history, I think when the Lord returns, that these gifts are going to be irrelevant. Why? Because he's with us and he's re returned us to his presence. And we, we don't have to worry about prophecies because we got the king with us, right? Like we're in his presence. And so, so we get to, get to recognize together that, that he's just going to keep saying it over and over and over and over and over again. That your job is to be a person who overflows with love. We're going to define love together. We're going to talk about why this is serious. And in that process, I think we're going to be encouraged together that, 
that this, this whole thing that we do together does not have to be a waste of time. Literally in the text, it says that, that if we get this wrong, we can be like a clanging gong and a cymbal, you know? Uh, I'm like, I, I, I believe in singing loud, and I don't know if it's a joyful noise, but I'm loud when I sing. Some of the people who sit up front, why are you shaking your heads? Okay, okay, they hear it, right? I, 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 but, but I want you to catch that, and, and even in our worship, if it's not about loving the Lord, then it's not a response. And it, we miss out on the privilege of what God has for us. And so, so this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to the last verse in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's kind of weird when you do something like this, 31b. And when we go to 31b, part of the reason why we're doing this is that the Apostle Paul is going to say something that I just love. One of the things that I think bothers me, and I'm sure it bothers some of you, is people who tell you how you ought to live your life instead of choosing to show you how you ought to live your life. The Apostle Paul is going to say something very blunt here, and it's something that Jesus said as well. And he's going to say to us, I will show you with my life, not tell you, I'm going to show you a still more excellent way to live your life. This is the, the ability for you to experience the thing that God has for you. This, this is a true story in my wife's family um, that an extended family member was known for her fantastic baking. In fact, um, she, she always had things that people were excited about. She baked for a wedding. Um, but, but she, in a weak moment, shared with us that at times when people asked her for the recipes, she'd leave things out on purpose. <laughs> Isn't that maniacal? I mean, that's terrible, right? Like I'm asking you for the recipe, but, but, but she, she missed on purpose. And, and I just want you to catch this this morning when the, when the Apostle Paul repeats the word love, love, love over and over again. Church does not have to be a waste of time. Worship does not have to be a waste of time. If we recognize the thing that the Lord has given us, if we recognize that he's given it to us freely and we get to be people who share with other people the experience that he has provided for us. So, so the main idea this morning is going to be very straightforward. God has given us the gift of supernatural love. I'm going to talk about it today as being awesome. God's love for you is awesome. His love for you is not ignorant. His love for you is not deceived. His love for you is perfect and it's awesome. But when we understand that God's given us the gift of supernatural love, he expects us to be people who give it to others. I'll just keep reminding you. This is not about the specific gifts, partially because I don't think God wants us to glorify the gift receiver. I think it's really important that we glorify the gift giver and we recognize that it's really on loan, right? We talked about it last week. He wants us to re-gift the gifts that he's he is invested in our lives. So, so uh, when we look at those things that people have the potential of confusing, we're going to see it in the text, smart religion, religious power, sacrificial faith, that those compared to what God wants to do pale in comparison. The first point this morning is religion without love is a complete and utter waste of time. It is. It's just, it's just real clear in the text. If you have your Bibles, I want you to pick up with me. In chapter 13, we're going to pick up in verse 1. It says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, then I have all faith so as to remove move mountains but, not, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Here we see smart religion, religious power, sacrificial faith. It's all a waste of time, according to the Apostle Paul, if we choose not to love. I just want to encourage you as we talk about this love that you know it when you experience it. In John 13, 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Also, are you to love one another? That phrase is really important because those who get to experience that love from us, the overflowing of that love, that is supposed to be the thing that inspires them to long for more, to want more. That it's noticeable in our lives when we get this right. I'll just remind you that we're warned um, by the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that there's going to be a day when the love of people grows cold. And I, and I just want to encourage you. We look around right now in the world that we live in. And I, I just cannot say, I could say if we we're trying to do a love meter, um, that, that it doesn't feel like there's a lot of love to go around. Somebody about killed me in a parking lot yesterday. And I had my sweet daughter. If it was one of you, you should feel bad about yourself. But, but I have like the seminary that I attended, like bumper sticker on the back. I don't know why I do this, right? It's in the license plate holder. So I always have to be on my good behavior. But, but you guys know what we mean. Like it's, it's almost to the point where, where kindness stands out uh, far and above anything else. When we experience, and I think that this is our privilege. So, so when we experience the kind of love that he's going to describe here, when we give it, I think it's helpful for us to understand that it's going to be noticed. So, so one of the great questions that we can ask ourselves is, how is it that God has loved us? How is it that God has given us what we don't deserve? How, how is it that he has allowed us to be able to experience his love? And, and it's important for us to understand, biblically, the term that we interpret as love is the Greek word agape. There's other Greek words that describe love that are translated in our Bibles. One of them is phileo, it's brotherly love. The other is eros, and that's the, the love that comes between a man and a woman in a romantic relationship in the confines of marriage. God's designed for that. These are all good things. They're gifts from the Lord. But in this context, this kind of love has been described as the highest kind of love. It is unconditional. There's no terms that are on this kind of love. It's the kind of love that God gives us because he loves us perfectly. So as we talk about this, it's very important for us to just understand, even hearing about God's love, somebody said it this way, information without application is a recipe for stagnation, right? And so we want to just, we want to be people who understand God's love for us and to understand it as being something that is awesome. It's a gift for us. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful gift that's not transactional, but we're good at transactional uh, love, aren't we? Uh, okay, you gave me this. How much did you spend on that? Trying to guess so we can make sure that we return. The, we, we kind of quantified these things. And, and as we, we define love in this significant way, it's going to be described in a way that cuts against all this. So he's going to say things to us like, true love keeps no record of wrongs. How many of you are good at keeping no record of wrongs? 
Um, nobody raised their hands. That's it's great. It's amazing. I was in a counseling session one time, not with any of you in this room, but, but a person brought up something that had happened some 20 plus years ago. And it was like on a Friday at three o'clock, you said this, you know, talk about keeping record of wrongs. Like that we, we may not have it written down on the log, but for some of us, there's a score and a tally sheet and it's, it's discouragement and it's frustrating. I'll just tell you, for us, for us to get this right when we talk about this this morning, there's a part of us that's probably gonna have to burn some of those in our mind. We're, we're gonna have to allow those things to be, the way I understand it, clothed in grace, right? God's forgiven me so much. When I read about his awesome love for us, it eclipses the things that I would hold against my brothers and sisters in Christ. You understand, that's how he taught us to forgive, by the way. But let's also be honest. I say this all the time. None of us have a delete button on our memory, right? So, so those wounds that we've experienced, the pain that we've experienced in our life that either we've given or that have been given to us, at times those have to be clothed in love as well. That we stand back and we say, I'm gonna give this person what they don't deserve. God's love for you, brothers and sisters, is absolutely awesome. I, I love the way 1 John 4, 16 describes it. He says, so that we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. He, he is calling himself here the, the, the epitome of love. And then in verse four, it defines it for us. This is so encouraging to me and a little bit convicting if I'm honest. Listen to these descriptions of love. Love is patient. Are you patient? Love is kind. I want you to understand when that description is listed here that God, the God of the universe, feels this way about you. He gives you the benefit of the doubt. He understands you. He cares about you. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. The NIV translates that keeps no record of wrongs. That it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I think it's important for us. Somebody shared this with me after the first service, and I think it was really wise. I, I shared that I do this exercise every once in a while in my life where I'll take, take my name and I'll encourage you to do this. Like, so, so I want you to take your name and I want you to just fill it in. Um, so, so Sean is kind. Sean does not envy. Sean does not boast. Sean is patient. And I'm guessing that for some of us, as you go through this, you, you need to add some qualifiers, like sometimes, right? Uh, most of the time. Okay, never, right? Like, let, let's just be honest about that. So first, we recognize that this is God's love. This is a description of God's love. But it is also, especially when we see this doesn't envy and doesn't boast, that it is talking about what he aspires of us. And I think this is so important. This is what my friend came up to talk with me about after the first service. He said, in his own life, this is not just an area of conviction. Like, I don't do this very well naturally. But, but he sets this as a destination. 
So, so for, a, for some of us last week, we traveled. I, I traveled to Dayton with my family and we, we set the GPS, even though I've driven there like a thousand times because I could get lost in a shoebox. That's just one of my things. But, but we, we allow ourselves to say, we're, we're gonna do this. We, we, make, we make a course ahead of us. We set a goal. We have a vision for this thing and then we pursue it. And I just wanna encourage you as we look at this list, that, that Paul is not giving this to us to make us feel guilty. I actually think he's showing this to us to say, this is what we want to see flowing out of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, that you're a person who grows in your capacity and in your ability to be patient, to be kind, to not envy, to not boast, to not be arrogant or rude, to not insist on having it your own way is not irritable. Boy, that's convicting to me. I get grumpy. You know, why'd you guys laugh at that? It's really true. I can't really, none of you get grumpy though. I can tell that there's, there's these descriptions and you, you look at this and as he says it, I think it's appropriate for us to say that we can grow in this area. And I, and I just love the way that Romans 5.8 puts this as it describes the gift of Christ showing us the extent of God's love for you. Let me, let me just share this. It says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this wasn't an earning thing. This wasn't a reciprocal relationship. It was based on grace, unmerited favor, right? And so when we figure out how we're supposed to love other people, it's that we're people who don't give to others necessarily what they always deserve. So that's the gospel, the good news, that Christ died on the cross for our sins, that he's forgiven us, and we ought to be people who allow that to flow out of and into our relationships. So, so one of my, my favorite passages of scripture is in 1 John 4.18 when it says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whatever, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. That is the love that God has for you, brothers and sisters. Does that make you encouraged? Does that remind you of his goodness? Does that remind you that you yourself have experienced this perfect love? It ought to, and I think what it does is it leads to the third point this morning, and that is love as we've received it from Christ is a gift that is intended to be given to others. I think that this is the best gift that you can possibly give your family, your coworkers, your friends, a taste of the love that Christ has shown you. I think love is the most essential gift and it will outlast all of the others for eternity. The text says this in verse eight, a very important passage of scripture. It says, love never ends. So, so, so he's saying that you're making an investment in what is eternal when you invest in loving one another. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge or words of knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. This is a controversial passage of scripture recognizing something that now that we've studied the book together, it's very clear and helpful. 
I think that part of what this describes to us is that he's been emphasizing these gifts. He actually defined these gifts for us. He shared this, this gift and he wants us to recognize that these gifts are important, but he wants to remind us that the essential part of it is the thing that's eternal and that's God's love for us and our response to his loving kindness. Someday the Lord's gonna return. He's gonna take us to be with him. He's gonna establish a new earth. We're gonna have the privilege of being in his physical presence. And you know what's great about that is you don't really need prophecies. You don't need healing miraculously when you're in the presence of the living God. And so we, we recognize that as we study this, that he's saying that it, it eclipses all that other stuff because there's going to be a day when it just doesn't even matter anymore. But the more important thing is that we experience love. And then he's going to say in the way that only Paul can, it's time for us to grow up. Look how he puts this in verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So, so what is he talking about here? First of all, it's appropriate to recognize that the kinds of mirrors that you and I get to gaze at um, are mirrors that are um, so much better than what, what the Apostle Paul had ever gotten to look, look through. Like they, they would have been dim. They would have been polished metals that would, that, don't, that would have been very difficult to see a really good reflection. You might see a reflection in a puddle or a pond. But, but for him, when he's saying, is, is this just, it's nothing like your cell phone selfies, right? Um, that, that there's not a, a precision of what you see. And he's just saying here, when we talk about growing up, the keep love at the epicenter of everything that we're doing, that, that, that all of this stuff is just a hint for, towards what we're going to get to experience in, in the presence of the living God. We celebrate that fact. So, so what I recognize in my own life is that there is a season that we go through. So we had our, um, with our, some of you have gone through this. When my girls were young, we, we bought all of the stuff that you buy to have babies. And we had all, and then at some point we got rid of all of that. And now uh, we recognize that uh, we're not quite there yet as a family, but we're close. At some point, we assume that there may be a day when we need all that junk again, right? Right? Because it's just a part of the cycle of what happens in, in a family. Well, here, part of what he's saying is this cycle that we're going to go through is someday the Lord's going to restore us. We're going to have presence with, and, and everything's going to change. And then it kind of crescendos into this awesome final statement. I love this statement that emphasizes God's love as being eternal. He says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So I have bad news. We have to change the name of the church now, okay? So uh, the greatest of these is love. So, so he's not saying that these other things aren't important. They aren't things that are valuable, but he's saying in comparison to this great thing, that in comparison, love eclipses everything else. It's the most important thing. So I, I want us to, to understand this simple truth that God expects us to be people who give this love to one another. I am probably the only person that you have ever met that got hypothermia or a version of hypothermia when the temperature outside was over 130 degrees outside. Let me explain this. So I was on a hiking trip to the bottom of the Grand Canyon with a team from Southern California. We were, um, we were in the, this place and what we had learned before we hiked down 
was that in the canyon, some of you have experienced this yourselves, is it's about 30 degrees warmer in the canyon than it is above the canyon. It's amazing. It just bakes in there. And then the Colorado River that runs through there is icy cold because it's coming down from snow that's melted from the mountains. And uh, we had hiked into the Grand Canyon and I, in this really cool like rocky area that was kind of a stream off of the Colorado River, after we'd hiked down this long hike into the Grand Canyon, I, we there's a group of us that were just kind of swimming in this thing. And I just relaxed and kind of fell asleep um, in this kind of puddle pond thing. And, um, and when I woke up, now again, on the thermostat, it said about 128 to 130 degrees. It was so hot. But my body just was, it was just shaking cold. In fact, I got up and I went and I had carried a sleeping bag with me down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, which doesn't make any sense. Zipped myself in there, covered myself with every bit of warm thing that I could until I finally warmed up. It was a, it was a really weird experience, right? I, I, want to, I want to encourage you that when the Lord warned us that there's going to be a day when the love of some grow cold, that I think that we are getting hints of what that might look like. And I just want to remind you, your privilege is to be someone who represents the loving kindness of Christ in the midst of that. If you've received it, you need to be a conduit of that warmth, of that grace. You need to be a person who, and as the light will change metaphors, as the light gets darker, the, the light shines brightest in the darkness. And so Jesus warned us that these days were coming. I think it's not our job to complain about it, like I just did a few minutes ago, but it's actually to be people who cut through it, who actually overcome it through the love of Christ. Do you see that? So, so when he warned us that the love of some will go cold, he's not giving us an excuse to be on our bad behavior. He's actually challenging us, I believe, to be people who set the goal of being able to be people who live out the fruit of the Spirit in our life and who manifest the kind of love that we've experienced through Christ's work. So when he says, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I think it's essential for us to understand that we have a responsibility to be people who give love away generously and sacrificially. We need to be people who understand what it means to be not only aware of those that are around us who have needs. It's an incredible story. And I've shared it from the pulpit here, but one of those times when I thought it was one of those waste of time experiences on a call center phone call, there was one of those times when I had the privilege of praying with somebody in another country who, uh, in that process, they, there was a, a privilege to be able to recognize that there was a sister in Christ on the phone with me when I thought the phone call was just going to be a waste of time. And I realized in the, in the heat of that moment that there's so much more that has the potential of happening when we just open our eyes, when we just listen to people, we just remember that people are a part of every process that we're going through. I love the way that Albert Hubbard puts it when he says this. He says, the love we give away is the only love that we keep. I think that that's a healthy way for us to understand this kind of love that God has desired for us to receive and also for the kind of love that he's desired for us to be people that give that generously and sacrificially. So, so I want to challenge you in your life. I, uh, a few weeks ago in our Thanksgiving Eve service, I, I challenged this group of people, uh, those who attended, um, some of you joined us that night, that, that just in my own life, one of the things that I wanted to try to do is to reach out to 70 people. Uh, in this case, they were from past chapters of my life that I just wanted to express gratitude uh, to. And, and I shared in my weekly email last week that 
Uh, it led to an impromptu meeting with a, a family that came from another state, and we had an awesome time together. We had some really neat stories of reconnected relationships. And I've just decided when it comes to loving other people, I'm done waiting for people to pursue me. I just, I just don't think that that's that helpful. And I don't mean that people don't. I just, I just don't need to wait for people to pursue. I want to be the pursuer. I think that's appropriate. I think that that, that is a part of the privilege of being someone who shares love with other people, pursuing them. I also will share with you this last week, one of my better friends from our time when we served in the Bahamas, a missionary that had served there, uh, he just passed away with COVID and, and um, another state. And, and it was very interesting for me as I received the emails from his wife and text messages and the funeral happened yesterday. It was just, it was just a tragic story, but it was one of those that I just realized that like, he would have been the kind of guy that I would have loved to have pursued and just said, thank you, Tim. You, you impacted my life in a way that you, you modeled for me sacrificial loving of other people. Uh, but I don't get to have that chance today because he's already graduated, you know? So, so I just want to challenge you, brothers and sisters, that, that Paul had a point that he wanted to encourage us in. And that is, we need to be people who understand what it means to receive agape, unconditional love, but also to be people who give agape. If we get that right, it's going to stand out in a cold world. It's going to stand out in a dark world. It's going to be noticed because they are going to see within us the kind of love that really does change lives. Would you join me in prayer as we invite the worship team to come forward and um, as we continue on in a spirit of worship. Lord, we love you. And I just pray for each one of us that as we read this familiar passage of scripture, for some of us, it was read at our weddings or uh, we've, we've probably heard these words read for some of us hundreds of times, that I pray that in the middle of the familiarity that you would not allow us to ignore how beautiful of a message it is for us that your love for us is patient, kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, keeps no record of wrongs, it always trusts, always perseveres. I just thank you for your love that's supernatural. I pray, Father God, that you would teach us to love that way and that the world that's around us uh, would not be able to ignore it. We love you, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.